Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. everybody, welcome to Oddcast, movies, music and gaming. And here with me as always is Dreadful Dan. Hi Dreadful Dan. We're morons, welcome to our mobile home. <laughs> Just so damn catchy, that song. I love it. So, Hello. Let's, before we get into this, when you sent me that, I mean, obviously I heard this track at the end of the film when it comes up. Uh, when you sent me the music video, <laughs> I want to say I've watched that music video now about 40 to 50 times. <laughs> for, many, for many reasons. <laughs> one, one being... It is um, a very catchy song, and I don't know why it's catchy because it's dire, um, <laughs> but it is catchy, and there's no getting away from catchy. it. And secondly, the music video is just fucking weird. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, so for those uh, those who don't know, we're talking about uh, the is it 1985? I want to say yes, a movie Morons from Outer Space. <laughs> Don't know why 
So Morris from Outer Space, I'd never heard of this before um, until you brought it up to me the other day and stuck it on the list. Then we had a bit of a chat about it last week. Just why? (laughs) (laughs) How did you hear about it? Everything. I did see it uh, probably in the late 80s on VHS. um, And then I forgot about it completely. And what happened was um, a few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, bought me a last-minute birthday present. And he said he went in the um, BFI, British Film Institute's shop on the South Bank, and he was looking around, and he saw a book called The Forgotten Film Club by John Spearer. And he thought, that looks like a good sort of book for uh, Dan. Probably about obscure film. Um, what he hadn't realised was that it's The Forgotten Film Club, book one specifically and exclusively on the subject of morons from outer space. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so I kind of, you know, I've had it sitting around for a, for a while and it was during um, yeah, lockdown. I, I picked it up and had a read. Um, and it's a brilliant book. So, you know, I read it without watching the film. You don't have to be a fan of the film to enjoy the book because it's actually more about this guy who is involved in the film industry um, as a critic and a producer, I think. Um, and he does bits of work for BFI. Um, and it's kind of him exploring why does he love this film so much? Um, and I think it's quite interesting for him because it's difficult because, you know, when you when you love something so much, um, but then because it's his career as well, he feels a bit embarrassed about it and he has to be careful, like, introducing it to people. Um, and... It's just a really interesting kind of look at, I think, obsession as well, uh, nostalgia. Um, there's some great bits where he's getting like more and more into it and going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And, you know, for me as a record collector, there were some of those bits where I really saw my, like, myself in what he was doing, his behaviour. And there's bits, bits where he like pauses and goes, what am I doing at three o'clock in the morning waiting for this auction, uh, online auction to like bid on an obscure... Uh, more on some outer space poster. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in his investigations, he tries to find out more and more because he, he's kind of going like, this was a big film. You know, this is a big a big budget production, a vehicle for two of Britain's, at the time, most successful and popular comedians, the double act, uh, Smith and Jones. Um, and it seems to be completely forgotten about. Um so it's kind of a bit of like a, a dig around just trying to find out information to sate his own curiosity. Um, and he kind of kind of wonders, like, what went wrong with this film? Why is it so, you know, why was it so poorly received? Why does it continue to be, you know, just sort of languishing, languishing in obscurity? Um, and all of it actually led him to finally, the culmination of the book, he manages to get an interview with uh, Griff Rhys-Jones. Mm. Um who has never really gone on record and said anything about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was really interesting. And, and I really, you know, I came away, I really, really, really enjoyed the book. Um, and of course, then naturally, it made me want to go and watch the film. And yeah. that is why we are sitting here today, ready to talk <laughs> about it. Um, Sorry, you put me through this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should say that, yeah, for people who don't know, um, Dan touched on it um, there, but yeah, um, so Smith and Jones, double act, well known uh, during the eighties here in Britain, um, 
And on a, on a personal note, they set up a company called Talkback, which after a few years um, became uh, basically merged and became Talkback Thames. And then that's bought by Fremantle. Um, and I worked for Talkback Thames. And there, I remember pictures of Smith and Jones up in the offices there on. Really? Um, oh my God. What was the name of the road? Anyway, Central, literally just off Oxford Street. And um, is it Newman? I don't think it was Newman Street, but anyway, whatever. Um, so I actually, like, in a way, worked for these guys. <laughs> they were well out of it by then. Um, and yeah, I think Will Smith was probably dead by that point. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they were mostly known in the, uh, through being on um, a show called Not the Nine O'Clock News, uh, or at least how they began um, yeah. as part of that ensemble, which had like Rowan Atkinson on, who was his, uh, became Mr. Bean, who is more popular outside of Britain, I swear, than inside. Um, <laughs> it feels like everyone goes, oh yeah, Mr. Bean. It's like, Mr. Bean is not really a big deal in England whatsoever. He was... In the 90s, for like a hot five minutes, yes. He's more of a British export. Um, yeah. The eccentricity of how people see British people. Yeah. Um, but not the nine o'clock news. And it was basically a sketch show that had some, uh, you know, it was all kinds of different stuff. But it was a bit of like social political commentary as well in a probably more of a lighthearted way. I remember... Um, so doing kind of a bit of research for this, I saw a sketch where they did a bit of a cassette boy um, or like a Vic Berger thing whereby they um, mashed up, they edited uh, like a politician at the time. I had no idea who it was. It was probably the prime minister or something back then. God fucking knows. And um, they mashed it as if he was like singing in a band and because it just, the, his lips were moving just kind of the same way and something like that. And I thought, oh, that's quite funny. Um, st- stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, that's what people do like right now. That's still relevant. Like, you know, what people find funny today. Um, but yeah, it was that general like um, 80s, you know, sketch show. Um, but the, I, that was kind of better than uh, the rest, I would say. It was, you look back on it now and I think it, like, a lot of the stuff still stands up. And yeah, Rowan Atkinson, Mel Smith, Griffiths Jones were basically kind of like the stars, I would say. Um, and Pamela that's right. Yeah, was Robbie Coltrane in not the nine o'clock news? No, it's just four point. of them. What did Robbie Coltrane? Where did he start? I can't remember. He was just in that kind of whole comic strip kind of uh, right. Club, I thought he was know? in not nine o'clock news as well. I mean, obviously not then. Um, so yeah, I hadn't heard of this film, seen this film, or anything, um, and it was weird to watch this. Uh, it was also a bit sad because. Um, after doing a bit of digging on, because uh, Griff Reese Jones still still randomly turns up in, like you still hear him, his name pops up in some stuff every now and then. But Mel Smith, um, uh, yeah, like he, he basically his heart gave out, which is not not really much for surprise. But he like, I feel like this was him at his peak, like physically, <laughs> like looks wise. It seemed like he went off a fucking hill, um, off a cliff, but I mean... Uh, after this and you see like he gets worse and worse um as the years as the years kind of uh go on um as opposed to Griff Reese Jones who kind of you know we're saying how he's like bald now but he didn't really age that badly over the years like Mel Smith did um I, I think he's got a shaved like, head rather than bald oh I don't know he looks like a bit of a neo-nazi anyway he's, ta- he's taken taking the jump 
Um, so yeah, what should we do? Should we kind of go into the film itself? We can kind of talk through what happens and the problems I had with it and then just do a bit of a... <laughs> the problems I had with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do a bit of yeah. an analysis as we go and then, yeah, talk about it a bit more afterwards. Okay, let's do that then. All right, so let's take a bit of a break and, yeah, we'll start talking about the actual film itself. Well, should I just give an overview of... Uh... Yeah, I should just give a little bit of an overview. Yeah, give a bit of a general yeah. overview because I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. So I should say, like, I, th- I literally thought this would be Spaceballs, and apparently Spaceballs yeah. was going to be called Planet Moron, and they changed it because of this um, film. Oh, really? Name apparently, um, but I thought it was just going to be like these idiots going around space, getting into these madcap adventures, and it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah sorry give a uh, general overview so funnily enough they do mention space balls don't they in one of the opening scenes i think um possibly that's where mel brooks took the term from oh really i don't remember that uh, yeah i think he goes i'm i'm popping out to play space ball oh that's and right that's, that's when he is uh left languishing in space so anyway getting into the detail yeah, of the getting, plot getting, there, yeah, after after not the nine o'clock news, um, Smith and Jones span out into their own double act, and they were really big on you know one of uh, well, I think what at that point was three uh, channels available to British viewers. Um, yeah. Although by the time this film was released, there were four, but you know they were right. prime time, one of the biggest comedy double acts in the UK, and this was meant to be the vehicle to bring them to the uh, silver screen. Um, so keep that in mind because, you know, that in itself is strange when you consider some of the decisions they've made in uh, in writing and producing this movie. Um, so this was directed by Mike Hodges. Is that a name familiar to you, Sam? Um, only afterwards when I looked it up and saw that he'd done, like, Get Carter... Um, and a few other bits, which did well, basically. Yeah, Flash Gordon. Yes, so that's the big one. Sorry, not get cut for me. It was Flash Gordon, which makes sense. Um, yeah. In hindsight, I was like, oh, okay, this is the film that Flash Gordon. Sorry, this could have been what Flash Gordon was. <laughs> Flash Gordon. But one one thing that strikes me about that is that he doesn't really have a track record in in comedy. Mm. So Flash I think, Gordon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Flash Gordon could have a track record in comedy. We're just basing our uh, assumptions on what we saw in that 90-minute movie about him. I think, Flash, I think Flash Gordon could be a comedy. Could be a comedy god. It, is that... Oh, I thought you meant the man. No. The man himself. The, the film. No, he doesn't exist, Dan. He was a character. He, was a... I've seen, he does exist because I've seen the documentary about his life. <laughs> If you watched, is he, he was in Ted. Do you remember Ted? That's a shitty comedy film. What no. about the um, Seth Catholic, Catholic priest on a on an Father island? Father Ted. You're not allowed to talk about Father Ted anymore. Graham Linehan. Oh, oh right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Can't do that. Bear in mind, I worked with Graham Linehan. There was one time when um, I'll tell you a story. It's an anecdote for you. Um, when I was working on IT Crowd, they. Um, we had a medic, uh, medic there, and basically, when you're on these shoots, 
the medic is literally just sits around and if anything happens then he can he's the first responder basically um but obviously like 99.9% of the time um they're just sitting there or they might give out like paracetamol or something like that and um anyway he uh was chatting to graham um and that's always a little bit like you know uh, when you're chatting to the director the medic it's like you know give him some space mate he's got other things to like think yeah. about whereas you're just like looking for a chat and he was telling graham how when the father ted guy died um he was the medic on the scene basically and when uh, apparently for i don't know how um the father ted guy died if it was on set or whatever at home but anyway it's just what he was telling graham and he said oh and i went into work the next day and all the people had written on my locker oh um, father Ted murderer, you killed Father Ted and all this stuff. And he was like laughing about it. Oh, and Graham that. went back to production crew um, and uh, basically was like, um, you know, I heard all this like third hand. I wasn't, I wasn't there, but basically put it this way. The medic wasn't there the next day. <laughs> and Graham's not usually, I know he's got, um, I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole can of worms at the moment. Um, it would have been out of character for him to say, get this man off my set but he definitely would have had a word about it that something like i don't want to i don't want to be annoying him to talk to me or something like that so they probably would have just got rid of him um because obviously like graham and him were mates like, yeah and this guy's just joking about his mate's death yeah um and it's you know when like people uh don't like when people see people on tv or something they think there's like um it's all fair game or something. It's Ownership, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's public like, property. Yeah, exactly. It's like, these are people who have feelings and stuff like that. Um, and it was quite sad. But uh, yeah, I won't go into the whole Graham debacle now, but um, uh, it's, um, a, you know, the whole thing is um, a bit of a shame, really, because a lot of people have a lot of love for like Father Ted, the series. And I still like, you know, enjoy Father Ted um, when it's on. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a shame that if people feel like it's tainted now and they can't enjoy it anymore. And I suppose it's distancing the artist from the art, not to go into all that when we're talking about morons mm. from outer space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, we've got uh, we want more important things to dwell on here. Yeah, but sorry, we went from Flash Gordon, we went from Morons from Outer Space to Flash Gordon to Ted, to Father Ted, to Graham Linehan. <laughs> uh, that's a fair, fair bit of tangent. Um, Six degrees there. of Linehan. Um, yeah. It's a game you don't you don't want to play. Um, but so yeah, anyhow, sorry. Mike Hodges. That's where we started with. It was directed by Mike Hodges. Um, yeah, yeah, this is the overview. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was written by Smith and Jones. So you know, this is the film that they wrote. Presumably, this is what they wanted to bring to the screen. This is what they saw. You know, their their uh, lights and their face. Up, up on the screen there. They wanted this to happen. They have full control at this point. And apparently, and at the end of this book, when he meets Griff Rees-Jones, and he's going, oh, have you got anything? Any, like, memorabilia? Because there's nothing out there. Apparently, Griff Rees-Jones produces all these, like, uh, hand-drawn sketches where he's actually done the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the board, the sketch board. Okay, the storyboards. Storyboard, thank you, yes. Yeah. His initial storyboards before it even like even begun writing the script, so it's very much like you know his brainchild and and Smith and Jones' baby. Um, 
what happens in the film is that we open with uh, four characters, the titular morons from outer space, in their crappy uh, spacecraft, which looks like a trash can in space. Um, that Mel Smith's character um, is ejected in space. He's playing some, some sort of space football, space ball. And for some reason, the others just, just sort of drive off and leave him alone. Um, they end up on Earth, um, whilst basically Mel Smith's character is left trying to find them. He gets stuck in America initially, um, and he has to try and uh, make his way over to meet up with his alien friends. Um, the aliens, of course, then, you know, the Earthlings are interested in them initially from a scientific perspective, um, but they're found to be, you know, particularly stupid individuals. Um, and this is where a lot of the comedy kind of comes from. It's very broad, um, but sort, sort of like light social satire. So we're kind of invited to laugh at the fact that um, these characters are a sort of reflection of ourselves. Their interests are kind of quite banal um, in terms of like pop culture uh, alcohol and the like. Um, and of course, a lens is held up, I think, to then the earthlings of the West who increasingly are only interested in them um, for their celebrity status. And so really, I mean, that is, I think, when it comes to the humour, it's this, it's this sort of like light social satire mixed with a little bit of slapstick. Um, and so it is quite broad and a little mm -hmm. bit of spoofing of kind of popular science fiction tropes. Um, and really, that's that's it. They they meet this. Uh, they meet up with Griff Reese Jones' uh, character, who's a sort of a, a bit of a wet drip, working at a um, working for like a news production company. The, U the UK B the UK BC, which is obviously a play on the BBC. Ah, and he kind of like takes them on, uh, becomes their agent, and he goes on a, a little bit of a kind of like journey. He's got a character arc of just getting nastier and nastier. <laughs> Um, more money grabbing, more cynical, and basically it all just leads to them becoming huge megastars, um, and it all culminates in a show in America where um, Mel Smith's character is able to finally reach them, um, at which point they kind of disown him, um, and then finally, right at the very end of the film, you finally, finally actually get a scene with Smith and Jones together, um, where they kind of like go, okay. Now we're going to go into business together and uh, it all ends. So that is, I think, the whole plot in a nutshell. Mm. Yeah. Sam. It's a good overview. Did you enjoy the film? So, short answer, no. Long answer, <laughs> um, no, but with the caveat that I found it interesting and weird that it even exists on so many levels um i mean i have Go a on. lot of questions i have a lot to <laughs> ponder about um i don't know how do you want to do this i, I can take it i can go through my yeah. notes yeah let's i want to hear on every level what is what is going on why why how and what and who i suppose is what you're kind okay, of like wondering yes so let's go right from the top which is it looks like Jimmy Nail lives in a caravan. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
makes no sense, but it's getting pulled along the back of the space truck. So firstly, I was like, what is going... Like, So the first shot is a spoof on Star Wars because it's literally black space and the big thing yeah. coming over the top of the screen. It's literally the opening shot of Star Wars. So they've yeah. obviously gone to copy. Yeah, he's a caravan off the back. So that's kind of the joke. I was, I was all right with that. I was like, oh, okay, f- that's funny. Right, okay, he lives in the caravan. Just Jimmy Nail. Okay, fine. And then he's walking along the chain and opens to some like rubbish falls in. But firstly, I'm just like, why does he live in the caravan and not the ship? And where does everyone else live? Like, why is he just in the caravan bit? Don't know, right? So I don't know. So I'm just like... We'll never know. I'm like, what? I don't understand why he lives in this caravan bit, but okay, fine. Um, And then the whole like first bit, I didn't really get the impression that they like immediately that they were idiots because so the first thing they do is like Mel, Bro- Mel Brooks keep going to do that Mel Smith comes up like oh you're trying to fix it or whatever and they're like oh we're drifting off in the middle of space like we're in deep space we're drifting away and I thought okay here we go here's the setup which is that that something's happened and they're drifting along right so this is going to be basically Red Dwarf they're in this big fuck off spaceship they're in the middle of nowhere um, they can't get home. They're going to have some wacky adventures. Right, fine. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm up for this. At first, I, yeah, I just didn't get the impression that they were idiots. But also, I didn't even know who they were. So yeah. <laughs> it was like, there's no like immediate like, oh, okay, so we've got like the smart one, the funny one, the weird one, the wacky one or whatever. It's like you've got Jimmy Nail, who just seems like a bit of a dick to be honest, and not really sure why, you've got the kind of like sassy woman who looks like, who's done up quite smart to begin with. She seems quite official. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so she doesn't give the impression that she's an idiot. And then you've got the other guy who um, just doesn't look dim, but it's just a little bit like... It's a bit drippy. Um, yeah, a bit, yeah, a bit drippy, exactly. And then you've got um, Mel Smith, who's a bit like the more captain, like we're going to do this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, okay, this might work. But I was like, okay, so, you know, fine. Then he's like, oh, the ship's working now. See, I fixed it. I was like, oh, what? Okay. And then he's like, yeah, so I'm going to go play baseball with her. And I didn't really get why they were annoyed with him. <laughs> I didn't really understand what the problem that they had with him. So it's not as if something's been set up and he's done something. He's literally been like, yeah, trying to remain positive. And then he's gone like, I'm going to fix this. And now I'm going to shoot some hoops. And they're like, dick. And I'm like, what? Why? Like, why is that suddenly the fucking, what's going on at the moment? I didn't get it. It's really strange. And I think that is probably like the first kind of big flaw because you're like, I don't understand this dynamic or what their motivation is. And like, I don't know what you thought, but as the film progressed, those three alien characters just seem less and less likable. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem with the whole film. No one's really likable. You can kind of say maybe Mel Smith's character a bit. Mm. Um, So yeah, yeah, they just seem like, basically, they just, I think he drives off and he's just like, oh, because I'm a bit, because I I think he says like, oh, I can't, I don't know, I don't know why I've driven off or something. Yeah, exactly. Like some real like throwaway comment, like, like, they're like, you don't know how to drive it. And he's like, oh, how hard can it be? And then he just, so, so I was just like, I don't really get it. Suddenly this planet appears, which uh, when you first see it, as this like map painting, whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't look like Earth. It just looks like a planet. 
So the whole time I'm just like, is that supposed to, like, they took, like when they landed on Earth, I was like, but that's not Earth. Like, there's just some blue planet that they're just near. And also, like, they've, they've got windows. Like, they're like, yeah. oh, what? Like, they just suddenly see this planet. And it's yeah. like, but you can see this big fuck off planet that's right in front of you. You've got windows. Yeah. I don't get it. So all this stuff I'm kind of, I know it's like, oh, I don't take it so seriously, but I'm just like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what is happening and why it's happened. So also I'm like, so they've left Mel Smith there to die. To yeah. basically die. Like, what are they getting out of this? Because at first it's like, they didn't even see the planet, right? So they just jettisoned off. Like, he was like, I don't know how to drive. So it's like, well, what was the, like, what are you doing? And I think if you go to the thing, like, oh, they're supposed to be morons. It's like, well, they've not established... It like it's just like a wild card. <laughs> like we're just gonna yeah. do crazy unpredictable stuff for the sake of it. Um so I didn't really I didn't really get that. But okay, fine. Um and then he's just left there in to play space ball or whatever on this deck, which like, makes no sense. But fine. Then they crash on Earth and I, I saw that it was a little bit of Leslie Grantham or something in. Um uh, <laughs> apparently it was just quite funny. Leslie Grantham, for <laughs> people that don't know, was in a uh, he was known as Dirty Den, who was in EastEnders, which is a, like one of the longest running soaps on, um, well, ever, um, but on BBC. And um, it's set in EastEnders, London. And he was one of the main characters in it. And he got done, uh, oh God, it's probably about seven or eight years ago now, maybe longer. He got done for basically wanking on cam in front of a um, teenage girl or something. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's Leslie Grantham. Anyway. He turns out for like five seconds, but they crash on Earth. And I remember the first thing I thought of is they've got like a sign, like a motorway sign for like the north or whatever. And the the ship crashes through it, but it's like the perfect ship size. So the whole size of the ship is this sign. So again, I'm watching it going like, oh, the ship's not that big then. Like, oh, so they must be like small. Maybe that's it. Like humans are just a bit bigger. And then when it's like crashing down the motorway, I'm like, oh, it's massive. It's like, well, how did it, they fit the whole, like, I'm kind of lost on the scale of what this is here. <laughs> but then, yeah, this big thing of where they're like um, crashing onto earth takes, I mean, this is one of the criticisms I have of the whole thing. It's so slow, so yeah. slow, like writing, editing, scene by scene, everything takes fucking ages to get moving. And even them just crashing on this motorway, which is supposed to be a big, exciting thing, takes forever. Just literally takes forever. It does go um, on and on. I mean, it looks to me like they spent a lot of money, so they probably just wanted to make sure they got the screen time out of it. Yeah, yeah, which is you know, fair point. Um, so, shall I go on? Did you have any comments on this kind of opening <laughs> bit? No, no, no. I, I agree with you on all these points. Yeah, it's just weird because nothing's been established at this point. I don't know who anyone is or why they're doing anything, and they've just yeah. on Earth. But I'm, I'm going along with it. I'm, you know, it's fine. <laughs> And then, yeah, so she said, it's cutting to um, Griff Rhys-Jones. He's working at basically the BBC and he's answering the phones and he's a bit of a wet blanket and they're like, oh, we've got this big story and they all leave, all his colleagues, and he's just left there. And I was like, um, okay. And then it's just the idea that it's like, okay, he's now just the only person left in the BBC. I was like, okay, it's a comedy, whatever, fine. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he's the only character really that has an arc, I would say. Like they will kind of, as you said, maybe change it a bit, but he's the only one that has like a beginning and an end. The problem is there's no middle bit for his character. He just kind of jumps yeah. from that extreme to the other. 
Um, yeah, you don't notice a progression. It's suddenly you go, oh, he's he, he's become a bit of a shit. Yeah, he just and turns his, up. His appearance it. gets a little like slicker, but you have to be yeah. quite attentive to notice it. I think. Yeah, it's not like. If, yeah, it's just it's not. It's very subtle. Put it that way. Um, so yeah, so I'm like, okay, you've got this whole thing going on in the BBC, which is just not really needed. It's a bit boring, but it's only there really to kind of build up the Griff Reese Jones character, who's not integral to this thing really at all. Like he's kind of supposed to be, but he's he really isn't. <laughs> and it's weird, as you said, like the fact that the whole thing is his dynamic with Mel Smith and they only together at five seconds at the end is so strange to me. Absolutely really weird. And therein lies maybe the biggest problem. Like both of them feel like marginalised characters in their own film. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that, I mean, audiences would have expected to see them together, and that's what people like, obviously. All the people that watch their TV show like seeing them together and um, playing off each other. Mm. So it's keeping them apart in their own film, their own vehicle. Um just seems really odd and uh and then it puts all the emphasis on the kind of three alien characters who aren't really all that strong or interesting no exactly that's exactly the problem um so yeah i don't mind like the whole bits of like the government getting involved and i did uh, quite like the like general the british general guy who just doesn't give a shit basically he was um, good fun. yeah he was good fun he was good to start with. And then when they turned him into like being obsessed <laughs> with the female one, I was like, oh, okay, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, but for the moment, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I quite like the way he's just like, you know, blase about like the way that posh people generally are about everything. Um, I thought it was quite funny. But yeah, so Mel Smith, arguably, I would say, has the most interesting storyline. And I think there's also that thing, <clears throat> general criticism is that, it's very TV. So all these bits are feel like sketches that they would have had that are just stitched together. Mm. And they play like that. And also mm. the fact that they've kind of got this B plot, which is the Mel Smith narrative, uh, is a TV trope, basically, that they've kind of taken with them that it doesn't isn't really needed because, as you said, it's weird that it's given so little attention. It's just something that's kind of happening in the background whilst everything else is going on. Um, but I thought his stuff was the most interesting stuff as well. I think he's genuinely the most engaging. He like looks weird. For anyone that hasn't seen a picture, he basically looks like an overgrown, balding baby. And he's just, <laughs> it's just incredible to look at. He looks very British. Like this is what like a typical, like I would say like middle England <laughs> villager or something would probably look like. Um, and yeah, it makes me just quite interesting to generally, generally look at. And if you can believe Griff Reese Jones is like the uh, stud of the two. Um, but I would say that Mel Smith is actually the most interesting to actually just, just watch. Um, yeah, it's a fine specimen. Yeah. So he's kind of, yeah, where he's left, <clears throat> he's left on the ship and he gets like a taxi or he hitchhikes or whatever. He hitchhikes. This weird zombie thing. Um, this is my, one of my favourite parts of the film. So this bit was all right. I thought it was, um, as again, it's a sketch, right? It's a sketch. Yeah, bit yeah, yeah. That's kind of has its like little jokes and then it's kind of thrown away. 
And the zombie thing, like, it's like a male or female of the species. And they play up to it a bit. And it's like, oh, gay. Well, isn't that funny? Which is, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, oh. Um, that's what, yeah. Time. That's um, why it was funny. It was funny because, it was funny because, yeah, he didn't want to be a gay. So he was checking and um, he wanted to hit on the character. But when he found out he was a man, he went, no, thank you very much. And he drops him out. Right at the bottom exactly. of that spaceship. And we actually get a callback to that scene later. So a nice bit of continuity for an even bigger laugh. That's true. That is true. Um, one of the thing, problems I had with it, obviously, from a scientific angle, was he's in space. So if you have a door at the bottom, you're not going to fall down it because there's no gravity. Which they've established in this world. But okay, uh, fine. And But I know, obviously, the fact that he, like, He's able to make it through the Earth's atmosphere and land in America without breaking, without exploding into like a hundred bits. Um, yeah, it's one thing. But anyway, so he falls falls into America, and I think the only reason he's fallen into America is that they could have some American bits in it in the hope that it would like sell overseas. Which just I think it was spot very, on. Man. Yeah, it just felt very like, ugh, like didn't you don't need to do that. But okay, fine. Some of those scenes are quite, quite, uh, not maybe not funny, but some of the better scenes in the film, like I when like he's trying scenes. to, yeah, go on. You're going to say exactly what I'm going to say. He makes first contact with that like dustbin or something. Bin. Yeah, <laughs> that bit, those bits were genuinely funny, and I actually laughed at that when yeah. um, when he's. But that's there's also like a thing here when he turns up to that, and he's wearing bits of animal clothing and all this stuff, like he's been out in the wild for ages and the yeah. one thing that i kept getting confused about on a conscious and subconscious level i think is the timeline like, yes i'm not sure where this all fits in like time like because all this stuff has happened and they're still like on the ship the other guys are still out like, on the ship so he's like had this whole taxi thing he's landed on america he's been living in the wild for what seems like a fair amount of time whereas i don't even think like three hours has passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that just gets worse over the course of the film. By the yeah. end, I was thinking, actually, this seems to have been months and months, but I hadn't quite picked up on that. Yeah, I've no um, idea. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's days, weeks or months. Like, it gets so confusing. Um, uh, I liked the the joke of, like, where he hides the name of his... Um, the st- suit that he stole, and then suddenly it becomes like some kind of salute that they all start doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was that was funny. I quite enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, so there's just little bits like, okay, so the ship's been moved. They've stayed in the ship. And they haven't even looked out. The, there's a window in the ship. They're looking out a window the whole time, but they've not noticed that they're in a military base of some sort. But I'm like, okay, I'm willing, I'm willing to forgive that. That's fine. And then they hear him, hear Jimmy now having sex with the woman. And I was like, I didn't even know they were a couple. Apparently they're married, which, you find, yeah. which I only found out looking at the fucking IMDB page afterwards. Because they had the same <laughs> surname or whatever. Um, I was like, oh, okay. But he looks like he's not having sex. He looks like he's doing push-ups on her. I just didn't, when I was watching it going like, what is he doing? Like, is he that's quite, supposed to be having quite, sex with her? That's quite mechanical. Yeah, but it's like, I don't even understand that, like, I get this, like, played for laughs, but it's like, I don't even understand. <laughs> it's like literally just doing, like, push-ups off her. Um, anyway, um, 
And yeah, so it's, if by this point we're like 30 minutes in, which is a 90 minute film, it has moved so slowly. It's not been, I don't know, we don't know what, like, what is the story of what's happening <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, uh, so fine. They talk to the aliens and they're basically just humans who can space travel. That's the, that's the only difference. They speak English. They even have regional accents, all this. I like and this, the premise. Sorry, go on. Sorry, this, I mean, th- that is one of the big laughs of the film, isn't it? I mean, they've they've put all their eggs in that basket of this is going to be riotous for the audience, that the aliens are just normal humans and they're very dull and dumb. Yes. And it's just, well, it's not funny, is it? No, so that's, that's where it, it falls flat. Yeah, it's just like, you've taken the extraordinary and made it ordinary. Fine for a sketch. Yeah. Fine to have as a sketch. And there's yeah. things you could do that play to that. Not as a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Nobody watches a film that they hope is going to be exciting and then turns out boring and thinks, walks away from it satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. Um, and then they've got how like, okay, so the America uh-huh. takes over and all of a sudden they want to kill the aliens. And we've proven by this point that they're stupid, even though this is really the only first indication that they're stupid. Like before this, we haven't really, like their intellect hasn't really been called into question apart from maybe Jimmy Nail just being a bit of an idiot. But the other two, it's it's like, oh, okay, now they're just really stupid, but that hasn't been established. Yeah. I don't even know what they're doing. Like why were they in space in the first place? No idea who they are or what they are in relation to each other. Um. Anyway, Jones takes it upon himself to rescue them for some unknown reason. Um, and that whole thing where I quite like the idea that he suddenly like found his way into the inner circle by just remaining quiet and kind yeah. of like not doing anything. That I thought was quite funny. Um, yeah. But it, it, again, it was a very subtle thing that um, had zero effect on anything apart from the fact that he was just in the background of shot. And I was like, they haven't really played that for laughs as much as what I thought they would. And he keeps trying to like send a message to the BBC and keeps getting interrupted. But um, again, I was like, the jokes aren't really hitting home. And also it's all very slow. Like yeah. there's no like every third line is a joke, cracking joke or something. It's like they're, they're relying on like five minute sketches with like one punchline or something and it's just not the frequency just isn't there um yeah. and then yeah they've got so you've got mel smith in the psychiatric ward and then they do a one floor over the cookies nesting um and he escapes i thought that bit generally was quite quite funny especially when he gives that big like they all break out he gives that speech of like who cares what society tells you whatever you're not crazy guys you're just whatever and all this stuff and he, he's got his leather jacket on and he just runs off like goodbye friends or whatever and he does this very like because usually he does this whole like cockney kind of like oh yeah just do whatever kind of thing in like a lot of the sketches whereas this he's gone for the very british um a bit more uh i don't know like middle class say and yeah. um then he runs off and all the <laughs> inmates just start fucking about um they just start, they, they, they revert to madness yeah. Like, smashing stuff up. Yeah. Like they're just, yeah, like ridiculous. But that's the thing as well. Like at no point did I think Mel Smith is like a moron or anything. No. It's like, like, what is his, and also he's not learned anything. That's just the thing. By the end of it, no one's learned anything like, at all. No. Um, and I'm kind of getting a bit ahead. But, well, um, he, 
at this point, at least, it's establishing a little bit of, um, you know, someone's uh, someone's actually got a target in this movie, which is Mel yes, Smith. A motivation. It, he's he's seen he has seen now his uh, crewmates on TV, hasn't he? And that they're becoming no, they've got some notoriety. Mm. Um, and so, okay, now he's he's going to find them. And hopefully, presumably, find them to go home. Um, so yeah, you, you get a little bit invested in his character at this point, I think. And that whole scene in the in the mental hospital and him getting out, you do feel. I, I don't know. I felt a little bit like, hooray, he's he's back on. on yeah, track. exactly. On. Like we're going, we're going somewhere, doing something. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you're kind of building up. The kind of climax is supposed to be like them meeting, right? So you're kind of willing Mel Smith to do it because he is literally the protagonist. He's literally yeah. the only person that's moving anything forward in this entire thing. And then, yeah, we cut to like the other three and now they're just like, yeah, they're like, they are just being, it's like, oh, they are actually stupid. Um, now we've gone into full idiot territory, which wasn't, I don't really feel like it was there um, in the beginning of the film. It was there during the interview and now they're just complete idiots. And you've got like a random scene where they're like in a hotel and he's stealing stuff and then they're just like, he gets bringing out bigger, bigger stuff and he's like, oh, we own the hotel. He could take what he wants. They walk off. And I'm just like, oh, so what? It's not much of a joke here. Like, what did that scene no. bring? I was like, such filler. It's like, oh, I think maybe they've realised they haven't got a 90-minute film here. It's possible. Mm. And they've kind of used as much, they haven't edited it very quickly and they've used as much filler as possible. Like, all these kind of bits that would normally end up on the cutting room floor. Like, we have to keep it in, otherwise we've not got a, a movie here. Um but this is yeah, also man. where the kind of compression of time becomes a bit of a problem, I think, because, you know, they've gone from escaping from the military mm. um, to, like, their first appearance in the papers mm. to overnight success. Sponsorship where deals. They have all these sponsorship that. deals that are suddenly being alluded to. They're obviously very rich. And suddenly it's like, Griff Reese Jones, like, we, we own the hotel. And they've become quite nasty yeah. and unpleasant. They're not yeah. some, like they're not fun. They're not fun characters as to you know. They're not lovable morons. Mm. They're just kind of like a bit unpleasant. Yeah, very unpleasant. And Griffiths Jones, like his whole thing is that there's like one bit where he like turns his old boss away, whatever. When they're looking into a monitor, so he's like gone from, as you said, a bit of a wet tissue to now like standing up for himself, and now he's gone off the complete other end where he's like their manager, but that's never really been established at their manager. It was like more that he yeah. was just like looking after them and fielding yeah. their phone calls because he wanted to like save them from being killed to now doing whatever. And yeah, you've got the British military guys in love with the female one, which doesn't really happen. Like at one point he kills the Americans who are trying to kill the aliens. And then those American people just turn up in the next scene. So it's like, oh, so they're not dead. I don't really understand. Um, and there's a bit where it's like, there's a bit which made me laugh, which was when they're looking at a TV or whatever during the riot bit. And it's like, oh, look, that's outside here. It's like, oh, look, that guy's going to, that guy's thrown something. And then it hits Griff Reese Jones in the back of the head. That, that's just a bit of slapstick. Mm. Um, it's quite funny, but I was like, that's kind of as much as I actually did. And then, yeah. And then they, so they've got this like big gig and, um, it goes terribly. Jimmy now is just like fucks basically. And he throws up over the woman. Um, I'm guessing they just used some stock footage here and then did some shooting. 
like around it. But it's a bit like, okay, so they're rock stars now. And again, like with the whole timeline, it's like, so they've sold out like a huge stadium. It's like, what are people getting out of this apart from the fact they're, that they're aliens? I think that's also what I don't get. It's because we've established that they're just human, but they're aliens and now they're stars. And I get that there'd be like a big deal for the fact they're from another planet, but it's like they have brought nothing with them. So they are essentially just like humans apart from they come from somewhere else. So it's a bit like, okay, they're kind of dressed up a bit and they're a bit glam and it's about celeb culture and whatever, but I'm still a bit like, so they're doing a big gig. Like I was like, I didn't really understand it. I was like, why are they doing a gig? Like that's performance. Again, it's all just a little bit, a bit, a bit rushed, isn't it? I mean, we, you know, we can get the idea. It's meant to be, yeah, a satire on celebrity culture. But like you say, it's just weird. It's like suddenly, oh, sudden. I think they're like, oh, we're we're going to be performing in America, and then suddenly it's like next scene, and it's probably like months later. But there's nothing to kind of uh, help you Bridget. grasp yeah. that. Yeah, next scene. Oh, they're there, and yeah, they're putting on a rock show. And Jimmy Nails dressed up like an absolutely hideous kind of transvestite. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of his outfit? Oh, it's weird. It's, I think it's so weird that he was like some kind of weird kind of heartthrob yeah. um, in the 90s <laughs> and all that stuff, just because, I don't know, I have no idea why. Just That was just apparently what some people liked, the fact that he had a massive broken nose and he was like six foot ten or something. Um, um, but this is filmed in a, like a, like, it looks like a baseball stadium or something yeah, it looks like they know. put some money behind this i, th- I think it's actually footage i don't think they they could not i really doubt they filled the stadium with people i think they just got all the close shots of the stage and and immediately around it and then all those big shots were just pulled from something else so i've got that nice it. big uh that nice big gospel number mm. it's quite good again a little bit of satire there mixing um, sort of like religion with uh, this kind of like idea of uh, you know this, the aliens are somehow like godly or from from heaven or something. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I forgot about that. Predict, bit. Predicting the heaven's gate incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. And then, and then just when they're like they come off and Bernard is there, and he's like, "Hey guys," and he's all like fucked up. He's been on this massive journey. I don't understand why... Oh, they... Mel Smith. I forgot that was one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I want... This was great. Like... I just was... Finally, finally, Mel Smith has finally... Yeah, here we go. Reached them and, you... and you're like, yeah, finally, after all that, they're going to help him out. Yeah. And no, what it's do a complete do? anti-climax that you've built the whole film building up to. And they're just like, oh, like, go away. Like, fuck off. We don't know you. Go back. And you're like... But what, like one, why are they acting like that? Like they literally left him to die. And I thought he was going to be really fucked off, but he's just like happy to see them. And I was like, well, you know, good for you. Cause you know, I'd have been, they literally left you to die in space, but okay. And then secondly, like they're just being complete dicks about it. And they're just like, I don't really understand like as if they feel like he's a threat to them and their culture. Yeah. It's like, but well, why? That's they think he's... Why. Yeah, again, it's one of these things where it's like it's rushed. There's a few little things that hint at it, but they don't land it enough for you to understand the character motivations. It's basically like this idea that there's a there's another alien, another moron from outer space, and that that's going to somehow affect their 
you know, their exclusivity um, and affect their status. So they'd rather he just didn't exist. Yeah, okay. I don't really understand what I thought it would be, it would add to it, if anything. And then I thought maybe they don't want to see him because they left him to die and they're afraid he's going to get some, want to get some kind of revenge. So when he's all like mm. open arms, I was like, okay, here we go. And yeah, that just kind of dies a death. And then this huge, uh, big spaceship turns up. And I thought it was just quite cool, the fact that it's like some rental company have turned up to just like take them back and the way that they've kind of mixed the epic, you know, universal mm. aspect mm. of this with the very small British oh, yeah. nature of it, um, I quite liked. And the way they go back, they don't even fucking get Bernard. They've literally just seen him. Be like, right, come on, let's go back home. Like, fuck it, like... You were our captain. You fixed our ship and all this stuff. But for some reason, it's like the whole thing. They just hate him. And I just have literally no idea why. Um, and he's left there. He's just left on Earth. And he walks up for Griffith Jones. And Griffith Jones is like, oh, don't worry, we'll do it. But I'm like, if it, Bernard could be anyone. Like, we like, oh, he's an alien. He's going to make money off him. It's like, but there's no, there's not been anything to establish that. Like, he wasn't on the spaceship. He doesn't have any alien stuff about him. Like, unless he has like some alien knowledge, which he might do, but it's not yeah. been, it's not like he could just be fucking Joe Bloggs. Like, like, there's nothing. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, how is he going to make money off him? I don't get it. Well, maybe you're querying that a little too, uh, a little <laughs> too deeply. You're basically the only person who knows that he's an alien is Griff Reese Jones's character because he's mm. the only person who saw that interaction in the dressing room. Mm. So he knows he's an alien. And I think we can assume that he'll have some kind of alien-y information. The rest of the world knows that there's a fourth alien. Mm. Because that's that's the important thing. They mention it. They 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 mention it on a chat show, don't they? They that's blurt right, it yeah. out. And Griff Reese Jones is really annoyed because he's like, why did you mention there's another alien? Because then, you know, that reduces your star uh, oh, okay. quality. Right. So that's why they don't want him to show up. And that's why they shun him when he does. Right, right, and that's right. why then, like, the Griff Reese Jones character is totally two-faced because then it's like, the, and then that's where the humour is meant to be at the end. It's like, oh, they've just suddenly vanished off again in space. So now he's like, ah, hello, I, th- I know who you are. Maybe we should do a little deal. And then mm. it's kind of like, they go off into the sunset. And you're meant to, I think maybe you're meant to be like, ah, oh, great, they're united, Smith and Jones, finally. Yeah. And um, at the yeah, end, now they'll go off and... There'll be a successful union between Comedy those two duo. characters, but <laughs> it's just not very. It's not very satisfying. It's not very funny, no, it's and it still feels a bit. It's like a nasty, nasty taste in your mouth. Really. Yeah, I mean, I just this is so much I don't get. I don't. I, honest to God, I don't know why they were on that ship. Like with yeah. crew, like who are they? Like were they on holiday together? Honestly, he, I don't know. Like what was that? He ship? ponders uh, some rental then. Yeah. <laughs> they rented I it. So. Um, John Spiro in his book, Sorry. Yeah. He, he ponders a lot of these questions. Right. And I think that's why he's obsessed with it because he would have seen this loads and loads and loads of times as a kid and he's still got these questions. And because nobody's talking about the film, he can't find any answers to them. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, do- we're doing it. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of like the whole film. Uh, and then it goes into the song. And what I love about, and this is kind of, um, you know, in parallel to what I was saying earlier, is that it feels very TV. And this song 
as catchy as it is, it's basically a TV theme. It's got the classic thing where the cast are singing it, which is very of that time. Um, yeah. A gang vocal is what they usually call it, which is where yeah. they all just kind of, it doesn't matter if you're in tune or not. It's just a whole bunch of you like singing along with the theme, a bit of a sing along. And um, and yeah, the way they've tried to make it, it just, it literally just sounds like a TV show theme song. And that's why it's a TV, it's people who don't know how to write for film making a film they know how to do tv sketch shows and all this stuff they don't know how to, and that's why you know people shouldn't be able to do that and i know they said <laughs> that um the, him them and the editor just didn't uh, sorry the editor them and the director just didn't get on during the edit of how of how this should look um yeah and you can tell i can't imagine the director looking at this i mean as you said he's not really known for his comedy but yeah jesus like who who knows um, I think they stuck to like Smith and Jones's vision and maybe that was the problem. Possibly, yeah. Like you said, apparently there were a lot of um, arguments in post-production uh, between them and the, the director. And I think he, Mike Hodges, said they didn't respect his kind of comic acumen. Right. Um, but I mean, he hasn't got, doesn't appear to have had a lot of experience in that field either. So mm-hmm. you've kind of got guys who have, you know, yeah, come up through doing comedy sketch shows, trying to make, you know, their their comedy film. And the guy who's an actual film director, but maybe hasn't made a comedy before. Um, so they're at loggerheads, I suppose. The worst of both how- worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Literally. God. Um, it's a shame, really, in that sense. But generally speaking, like, I thought it was awful, but I watched the whole thing and... I don't know, there's something there which is very 80s about it. There's something, yeah, very TV. And some of the jokes and stuff, I was thinking, this would have been funny if it was... I would have enjoyed this more as, like, three short sketches or something. Yeah. Rather than an actual film. Um, and I think Mel Smith does kind of shine, as it were. Like, Griffiths Jones has just got nothing, just nothing to do. The fact that they're not even in the together throughout the whole fucking film is just weird. It's just crazy. Have you seen the trailer, uh, or, by the way? No. So the trailer is, it, is I would say, arguably be arguably better than the film because <laughs> it shows all the highlights of the film, but the actual trailer is a skit. It's a sketch. And it's um, Smith and Jones being basically like UFO hunters. So all it is is them just like talking to each other by some bushes in the middle of the night Um hypothesizing about aliens and stuff and it intercutting between the footage of the film um, and saying about how they'd be like much smarter than us, but they're doing a proper like Smith and Jones sketch, like, oh, you know, I think there'll be uh, blah, 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 blah. And all this, oh yeah, really? Oh yeah. And all this. And you're like, yes, this is it. This is what, this is what, that's I what they do. Say. Yeah. Like this is what feels natural and actually works. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm engaged with what they're saying rather than, Make I don't know, it's just so weird. Like, such a weird film to make. Such a weird decision. Like, and Mel Smith's all over, like, the fucking, um, you know, artwork and the, uh, as I'm looking at the posters and all this stuff. Yeah. It's his, like, stupid fucking face. And, um, and no grief. No grip, but no grip. But to be, as I said before, like, I quite like looking at Mel Smith's face at this point yeah. in time. <laughs> but it's like, he's not the star of the show. He's, like, running time. He must hardly be in it. Like Griffith Jones is in it more than he is. And Griffith Jones probably has about, you know, 10 lines in the whole film. It feels like. 
not literally. It's but, bizarre. Uh, yeah. It, it is it's really bizarre. weird. Um, um, so it hit me up the with film some flops. Yeah, right. it flopped. Um, Wikipedia says the budget was five million. Did one point five million in the UK box office. Right. Um, I know it had a little bit of distribution in the states, but didn't do very well. Um, strangely, Griff Rhys Jones claims that despite that, um, basically the head of whatever um, production company or distribution company um, just really liked it and made them an offer to do a, uh, a second film. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he turned it down. Um, I think he took it very personally. The, f- the film was really poorly received um, by critics. Um, and I think he took it quite personally. I think he was maybe a bit more invested um, in its creation than, than Mel Smith. And I think, reading between the lines, I wonder if there's a little bit of bitterness there. Um because it really basically um, just killed off all his ambitions for working in film. Whereas Mel Smith seemed to kind of take it more on the chin and use it as an opportunity to, you know, use the connections that he'd made to wheedle himself more and more uh, behind the camera. Right. And obviously that resulted in, you know, his biggest probably commercial success uh, being. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, yeah. um, so he went on and did really well in, in, in the world of film, uh, international film, whereas it seemed to just uh, destroy Griff Reese James. And he never did anything in film again. Really? Nothing? No. Hmm. Not in terms yeah. of uh, like writing or directing or anything. 
Um, so strange. It's weird because it's like I often, and I guess a lot of people do, like getting mixed up between Hugh Laurie, which Americans would probably think is mad, but just because I don't think, like I've seen all of House and all this stuff, for instance, but for me, Hugh Laurie was like Fry and Laurie and this was Smith and Jones and they generally just look similar in that Stephen Fry <laughs> was a bit of a strange looking larger guy and you know Hugh Laurie was this kind of like skinnier dark haired strange like geeky face complexion and the same with um yeah Smith and Jones and I'd always get them like mixed up but yeah Hugh Laurie has obviously had a much more successful career I suppose they're slightly both more of the straight man of their uh, duos, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I suppose it would be. Yeah. Um, mm. Since it's screening, it's been then issued seldom. I think it came out uh, a DVD in two thousand and one on MGM, so that's that's available. I don't think there's anything extra on there, and it it just it's just disappeared. Yeah. It is an obscure movie, despite being, you know, a, a highly pushed film of the time with two very, for British audiences, two very recognisable uh, stars. So, yeah, just just a weird... It, it poses more questions, I think, than uh, than laughs. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, just a, I get it as a concept, but it doesn't it doesn't work. It's a, it's a very short... How do I put this? Not short-lived, short-serving. I don't even know if that's a term. Idea, basically. It's a limited idea. It's what you call it. You can only um, go so far with it. Like people often, you know, to use another sci-fi example, um, uh, it's it's basically a creatively dead um, concept. (laughs) And a lot of people uh, say this about um, Star Wars, for instance, that each uh, Star Wars film... Um, it's subsequently the same thing again and again because the stakes are always the same. They're always at maximum. The stakes are like the biggest thing, have been since the first Star Wars and you've always got the like big good guy against the big bad guy and whatever. And there's intricacies in between it, but it's like it always ends on like a huge epic battle that the stakes of the universe and it's just like creatively dead because you've got nowhere to go like with it basically. And um, it's a bit of a weird example to use, but it's only because I was watching something the other day I was talking about it and it just made me, it just reminded me of this, where it's like when you've got, they're from outer space, but they're just humans. It's like, okay, then what? It's like, well, it's, well uh, it's kind of it, I guess. They, well, they get, they get famous because they're from outer space. You know, everyone's interested in it. Oh, okay, cool. And so what happens then? Well, they, yeah, they become celebrities. Right, but they're just humans though. Yeah, so it's, you know, what can they do they have any actual abilities or anything no 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 i mean that's the point so they're very normal and boring okay so what what's what happens in the film well that's that's kind of it and then what so what happens at the end well it all leads up to this big show um and then they just get picked up by their like you know planet mates and they get taken home okay and then what that's yeah well nothing really that's it it's like like well if, Where'd you go? It's like, it's taken, it's just no narrative complexity to it whatsoever. So with something like Spaceballs, not to go on about, because I really like Spaceballs, but the idea, frequency of jokes, much better. Production value, a lot better, obviously. 
but also they've got a very they've taken the simplistic good versus bad of star wars and put their own stupid spin on it and the intricacies of the joke have been on a very minute level as in like a line by line thing but it also has an actual plot that you can follow and they've not tried to do they've not tried to like you know if it ain't broke don't fix it it's a parody you don't have to do anything um whereas with this it's you know they're just there's just it's clearly written by someone who has no idea how to write a film <laughs> to, to be i think with Spaceballs, though i mean um like space is obviously like a spoof yeah and parody i think this does try to be um a satire it's just that it's not done very well. So the thing that happens with those characters is that those alien characters is that they become uh, increasingly corrupted by uh, by like Western society. Yeah, and I suppose that then that therein lies the satire, and should lie the comedy. Um, but instead of being funny, it's just a bit kind of like depressing. Mm. It's it's not satisfying. I mean, you just see characters that aren't well established, mm. that aren't. We don't have a long enough time to get to know or care about, uh, becoming increasingly unpleasant mm. uh, with no payoff. Mm. So here's here's <laughs> what I would have done. I'm just thinking about this now. Is yeah. Warren's about space? Is they you start off? They're a crew of misfits. Classic, absolutely classic. Um, <laughs> And they have been paid to take something from A to B. And basically, because they're idiots, it goes wrong and they fuck it up or whatever. And they crash land on Earth. But they're being pursued now by this, like, group of, like, alien, I don't know, militia or something like that that's after them to try and get this thing that they were transporting back. So when they crash land and they become celebrities, they actually realise once they're getting trapped that they have to go like undercover basically and mix in with the people and all this. And it's a case of those kind of like fish out of water. Is that the right word? Um, yeah. Expression? Um, elements where they're trying to like engage with like everyday human stuff meanwhile they're being pursued there's that tension of like they're being pursued by these actual aliens and stuff and you've got a bit of humor because they're complete fucking idiots and this militia um are actually like you know strategic like you know doing things by the books whatever and all this stuff and you've got that kind of so you've got a bit of um a play on it but because maybe because they're idiots they're able to kind of get out of these scrapes by doing stupid stuff and you can play on the comedy of that um, and then it ends with like a big showdown or something and maybe like the police come and like the space police or whatever come and save them and pick it up and they, the, but the morons save the day and somehow they've saved Earth or whatever and they become heroes and then, you know, and that's the end and they've all worked together. And have Smith and Jones together. Yeah, have them have together. Griff yeah. Jones being also one of the aliens. Yeah. You could, I mean, there's so much you could do. I mean, like, I was thinking, like, because you just said that, I was like thinking, wouldn't it be funny to do, like, an Ocean's Eleven in space, but with Smith and Jones, but they're just two complete idiots, and they're, like, trying to get the crew together, <laughs> or whatever, they're doing, like, the Brad Pitt Clooney thing, um, and all this stuff, and trying to do something like that. Like, there's so much, you know, it's just so much you could have done, but it's just, like, yeah. 
they've they've literally taken the most boring aspect, the most boring <laughs> angle of this story, and exp- tried to expand it over ninety minutes uh, with Jimmy uh, Nail. With Jimmy Nail. Oh God. Like, who are uh, they? Who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> They're morons. But like, just listen to the song. Another four, another forty, 40 times. times. Yeah, I do love that. Song. Um, it's great. Should we go to Nerd Corner and have a chat about the song? Yeah, let's do it. So, Morons from Outer Space by The Morons was mm. released in the UK only. Can you believe that, <laughs> Sam? Only in the UK. Yeah. Uh, in 1985. I'm not actually sure when it was released. Uh, uh, so you don't think anyway. it's before? I think it might have been after. It's around whenever the film came out, okay. which would have been um, March. Right. So yeah, probably in March. Um, I'm afraid to say it didn't trouble didn't the trouble. singles chart. <laughs> at all? Um, at all, no. It didn't impact. There's a 7-inch single and a 12-inch single. Um, so if you bought the 7-inch, you would get morons from outer space and on the b-side you would get morons from outer space dubious version i'm afraid not available online not on youtube not nowhere so i've not been able to listen to it but what i'm really curious about is the 12 inch single because if you get that you get both the seven inch version and the dubious version but on the a-side you get the moronic mix wow i'm Actually, genuinely interested in what those would sound yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> that um, song has been in my head now for well, like <laughs> the two weeks or whatever that we've, we actually watched it. Uh, who do you think wrote the song? Oh God, is it an actual pop star of some sort? Um, no. Okay, fine. So, it, it, it was it actually Smith and Jones? It's just Mel Smith. Uh, he wrote the lyrics, and someone Peter Brewis so wrote them. Wrote the music. I thought you were definitely hear... more involved because he does his. We can hear him, can't you? Yeah, in yeah. The, <laughs> bit of the chorus bit. Mm. And you can definitely hear Mel Smith in there as well. Mel yeah. Smith had a big hit single, you know, with um, Kim Wilde, didn't he? Mel and Kim. Oh my! I think God. they did. A, they did a cover of "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." I think oh is that right? Oh my God! Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Fucking hell, yeah, that would have been them. Sorry. So Sorry, Mel Smith. Mel Smith, an established pop act. So how this didn't land on the charts, I do not know. Um, on Discogs, very few people own up to uh, having a copy of either of these. Only 12 people claim wow. to have the 12-inch. And 28 people say they have the 7-inch. Um, so you'd think maybe this could be a valuable record, but unfortunately nobody wants it. So you can pick up a 7-inch for 49p. Oh, wow. You should do it. <laughs> should I get the 12-inch and have yeah, a listen to the moronic the 12 inch, yeah. I'll rip it and put it online. No one seems to care. Whoever owns the intellectual property in this film does not seem to care or see any value in it because there's about four different versions of it uploaded to YouTube. Yeah, that's a problem. I don't <laughs> no think anyone's bothered to take it down. A, what is it, DMCP or whatever the fuck it's called, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> The algorithms um, don't cater for morons from outer space. <laughs> 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 Exclusions. 
tick more on from outer space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's it. That is the obscure little bit of nerdy morons trivia that I've got. There's very little out there. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised really. It's interesting about the book as well. I do I do um, interesting checking that out and reading about. I it really recommend that. Yeah. yeah, anyone. I mean, anyone who's got an interest in anything not just film but it's like if you've got a passion for something a bit nerdy it's kind of really it unpacks that like where does it come from what feeds it and what are some of the strange uh lengths i'll go to to uh service it yeah um there's a good bit as well where he actually for his job working for the bfi he has to interview mike hodges and he's like talking to his boss about it and obviously making a list of like you know these are the topics i'll ask him about and he's thinking like can i shoehorn morons from outer space into it yeah and like he's like dare i even broach this with my with my uh, with my boss um so he's constantly kind of like odds of like do i divulge to people that this is like my favorite film <laughs> and risk like my my <laughs> professional <bit> <laughs> uh <laughs> my professional credentials um, but at the same time, like he he really wants to explore it with people. He wants people to love it, and like he does like a, a party, like gets a few fr- friends around, and like, the whole time he's like, "Oh my god, are they going to like it? Are they going to hate it? They're going to like it." So it's quite cool. I think since that book came out, he's actually managed to have it screened at the Prince Charles in Leicester Square. It's a good place to have and it. I think, yeah, and like got Griff Rhys Jones to come down, and uh, maybe even Mike Hodges as well. I think Probably. do a bit of a Q and A. Wow. Well, good on him for doing it. Yeah. Um, cool. I guess we'll give our final final reviews. Whose turn is it to do a uh, voice? Um, surely that's you. I think it might be me because I think you did the giant, didn't you? Did I say to do the giant? Yeah, giant? I think. Yeah, it's you. It's you. All right, good then. Um, Jimmy now. Oh, fucking hell! Was it? Was he? He's a Geordie. It's funny because I saw pictures of him because um, I typed his, his name when I was Googling stuff for this and I didn't realise he's like best mates with Sting. Basically, I was like, what the fuck is he like with Sting? And it's because they're both from fucking Newcastle, aren't they? And, oh, um, no. and all this, Newcastle United um, football team. I can imagine them being tight. Yeah. I can imagine them, I can actually imagine them uh, collaborating on an album. It's the kind of thing, like Jimmy Nell just does his like deep Geordie croon. That's just what he does. Um, you know, which is what a lot of actors you can't really sing actually do. So <laughs> Jimmy Neal. No. Yeah, kind of. I can't I can't really do Geordie. I was like, oh, Jimmy he's a bit he's a bit deep. I don't know. I can't I don't know if this is gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> you can always fall back more on she's lying. More, she's lying. So he says that in the whole fucking film. Why does she do... What's he saying? Why does she declare... It's not declare, though. Pretend. Why does she pretend? Oh, God. Okay. Ain't no doubt it's plain to see. Dun, A woman dun, like you is not good dun, to dun. me. Fucking hell. All right. Jimmy, Jimmy Neal. So more on some outer space has to be... One of the one of the worst <laughs> sci-fi films I've ever seen. <laughs> and <laughs> it's the it's 
I can't say that I've ever even seen films like 2001, but <laughs> A Space Odyssey. But I was in War on Some Outer Space. And I think <laughs> 2001 can go fuck off because <laughs> Morons from Outer Space is the best and the worst of British sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's, that was awful. Um, Thanks, Jimmy. I to work on my Geordie. Yeah. Do, do you know Jimmy knows his real name? Uh, uh, well, I've never thought about it. I just assumed it was, but maybe not. God, he's an ugly bastard, isn't he? Um, I'm looking at the picture of him on the back cover of the uh, of the single, and the, they're in their um, attire from their big American rock concert, mm. and he just looks so bad. He looks a bit like Beetlejuice. Oh um, uh, yeah, I know you mean if he he'd does, been yeah. smacked in the face with a shovel. It's weird that he um, would like, he would just clean himself up a little bit and basically just become a bit of a heartthrob only 10 years later. Yeah. Spender. Yeah. Um, Dan, what's your final review? I just find it a bewildering and puzzling film. Um, I won't say, you know, I didn't hate it. For its duration, I endured it right. <laughs> and at some points I thought I'm enjoying this and being entertained um, but mostly I found myself thinking why why have they done that and why are they doing this both the characters and the people behind the decision making um, so yeah just a hugely disappointing um, flop but I think an interesting curiosity for anyone uh, who likes digging around in the um, in the in the drawer of uh, forgotten films, especially anything to do with British comedy. Mm. Well, I think this is the most anyone's talked about anything Smith and Jones had done for probably the last two decades. Um, <laughs> I guess we should check out some of the other reviews and see yep. what other people thought. <laughs> Um, so, bang, straight on Wikipedia. The Observer called the film so embarrassingly unfunny, I mm. often felt like crawling under my seat. Yeah. It was cringe. <laughs> There's some really cringy, cringy, cringe bits in there. Um, IMDb, where the film enjoys a 4.5 rating. Higher than I thought it'd get, but okay. <laughs> um, D. Orton. Uh, says, very, very silly, but a favourite. Um, more on Smart Space is ridiculous. The humour at first glance is very lowbrow. Look beneath the surface, and the movie is rife with satire and irony. The characters are, are absurd, but believable in the context of their world. The real triumph of the film are the subtlety of much of the gags. It takes familiar themes of human life, and extrapolates them to their most ridiculous conclusion. It is extremely silly, but I never tire of watching it. He must be talking about the scene of the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did love that. Uh, underrated classic. 
says uh, S Stribble. Stribble. Um, S, yeah, Stribble. Um, I first saw more on some out of space on cable television when I was 12 years old, 1986. Uh, recently, I spotted it for sale on DVD. I thought, I can't pass up owning this cinematic masterpiece. So how does it look now that I am older and more sophisticated, or at least just older? It's a hundred times funnier now. <laughs> I actually get the jokes I didn't when I was 12, because I've seen the other movies they reference. Cuckoo's Nest, etc. Mm-hmm. I also have a better eye for subtlety and timing. <laughs> Good. Mm. Um, there's a lot more to this film than there appears to be at first viewing. Not to mention the nice part mm. where the aliens are brought down to Earth, metaphorically speaking. Oh, if God. you have seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail 2,000 times and are sick to death of it, well, go and watch it again. But after that, see morons from outer space. That's his timing Every- coming in there. See what he's done there. <laughs> Every scene is like a small sketch and will actually get funnier with repeated viewings, much like Python. Favourite scenes? The therapy at the psycho ward with the Iron Maiden record. And the sneeze inside oh, the space so helmet. Classic. That sneeze seemed to be... When I was Googling it, that was one of the first things that came up. More in some out of space, you know, on the Google thing. said sneeze. Yeah. I was like, is that, was that such a big... Is that funny? Okay, cool, 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 cool. That seems to be... They seem to have hung their hat on like that for promoting the whole film. Weird. Um, here's a 10 out of 10. Mm. Very, very smart and funny. This movie takes aim at both Hollywood and its alien flicks, and more importantly, British cinema's unfortunate marketing subordination to same. Special effects, cast, acting, and production values are excellent, proving that big-budget Hollywood can at least be replicated in a lampoon genre. Contrary to nearly every paid critic's review, it is well-written. No American or British icon escapes unscathed. The US critics really killed it. And frankly, I don't know what Hodges did to deserve that kind of undeserved malice. It's akin to the politically correct fallout from A Fish Called Wanda. Feel free to go there if you will. It's one of those small British films that people who enjoy silly and dark humour, satire and understatement, and simply well-made good-looking spoofs. This is one of those. It is dead on target. Enjoy the payback from a great, unassuming film that Hollywood made sure was dead on arrival. Right. Well, so a conspiracy. Yeah, I don't really understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood killed it. Yeah, but sometimes it's like, I think I've given, you know, um, obviously we both have like valid reasons as to why it doesn't, why it's not structurally sound as, as a film, <laughs> basically. I mean, people just like, uh, it's like a conspiracy from Hollywood. It's like, well, it's not, is it really, though? Like, a bad film is just a, a bad film. And you can still like it, but it's like, why has it got to be like, no, it was kept, you know, the world is wrong, <laughs> whatever. I'm right, the world is wrong. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> um, ugh, it's a bit silly. Um, it was too other... close to the bone. Oh, yeah, exactly. Hollywood had to take it down. Stupid. Um, Any other, you know? Yeah, I'll give you a few bad ones. Yeah. Mystic Man. 
on Amazon gives it one star. A film for morons. Dire movie. Not enough from the brilliant Smith. Jones looks unmotivated by the script and far too much of the awful Jimmy Nail. <laughs> Oi, someone say my name. <laughs> <laughs> and a, uh, a two out of ten here, a review from McCarthy Stewart titled Embarrassing. It's not often that you see a film that is pure, unmitigated crap. This is one of them. Hell, even the 10 out of 10 rating is generous. The humour used is film is unspeakably infantile. Some of it, though, is very much of its time. There are some sly digs at the cult of celebrity and Britain in the 1980s. The only thing in this film that did it for me was Mel Smith's slightly sympathetic role as the unfortunate alien, Bernard. While we're on the subject, I don't even know why Smith and his co-star, Griff Reese jones ever bothered making this piece of trash in the first place. One major turn-off for me was the rather gaudy, tacky, cheaply made look of the film. In fact, the whole thing looks rather false and plastic. Compared to Morons from Outer Space, director Mike Hodge's previous effort of the decade, Flash Gordon, looks like a BAFTA award-winning masterpiece. If you've got nothing else better to do, I really would not recommend renting this film. Very, very wise words there, I feel. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess that's it really, isn't it? Yeah, there's not much more to say about this. It's not good. No, bit of a shame. It could have, they could have done more with it. Um, and yeah, I'd be interested in just, yeah, the writing of it. Like what made them think this was a good idea? Like did they have any help? Did they just have that arrogance to think that they could just sit and do this because they've done TV for how long? Like, I think they did. I think they did. I think Griff Reece, I think he held his hands up actually in that interview and said, I didn't know what I was doing. Right carries a lot of it because you can look at all the problems throughout but it does come back to like there's a, it's a bad script yeah from the start it's a bad idea from the start yeah yeah it's so, awful um flawed from the beginning oh well oh well what are we doing next time next week let's have a look i'll press the magical button and it's it's one of our favorites dan it's a music one i should say and it's tears for fears the hurting. The hurt. <laughs> and Lovely. that is exciting because yeah, that's, I think I can safely say that that's in our top albums of all time, uh, both of us. That is, yeah, definitely top 10 for me. Mm. So, um, yeah, so we'll cover that next next week and we'll go through, uh, go through the tracks and a bit about the album as much as we can. And yeah. Um, yeah, that should be good fun. So, uh, guys, as always, go to a newwinter.net to check out um, some of the other podcast shows we do on the a New Winter Podcast Network. Uh, Dan, where can people find you? Uh, they can go on Instagram or they can go on YouTube and look for Dreadful Dan's Discs. Big old discs. Um, the D, DDC, as opposed Mostly 12 to inches. DDC. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Twelve inch discs. Dot com. No, don't go there. Rendered in black vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does have different. Uh, yeah, it's all colours. Um, and there might be some uh, extra special colourful splashes in there. You never know. <laughs> um, so yes. Uh, and as, again, you guys can get on the list. Get on the list. Give us stuff that you want to hear us talk about. Um, again, tweet us New Winter. Write to us New Winter Podcast at gmail dot com. Or you can go to the podcast oddballs at gmail.com, um, Instagram and New Winter. Just hit us a message. You go like, can you stick this on your list? And we'll put it onto the randomizer. And if we land on it, then we will talk about it. And you guys have that power. So do it. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 